Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same love, the same love. Stay by your side, it's right over. Welcome back to Forge in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today, I have the opposite side of the badge, a police officer. Uh, he's going to be on this show. Um, he also is an Air Force veteran um, and has an amazing, amazing story. And I'm not going to wait too long to get back into this. So, Jason Schechterly, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, sir. I appreciate it very much. You know, you know, it's one of those things you have a police officer on. It's like, oh, my gosh, firefighter and a police officer. This could be R-rated. <laughs> this could, it, it better be R-rated. That's all, that's all I know. But you're not going to find too many cops who love firemen more than me for uh, the reasons of the story you're about to hear. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, actually, I want to go I want to go to what you're doing now before we go back, because I think it's always awesome to just see what you're doing now. You're doing motivational speeches, keynote speeches, talking about just the amazingness of, of change, but how to deal with that change. I want you to actually tell me what it feels like to be on stage right now and helping people to be engaged in their lives. Yeah, and it's so great that you asked that question right now. I just got back a couple of days ago. I was in Nevada doing a donor family remembrance ceremony for the Nevada donor network. So that's amazing. You know, it's just a room full. There's 400 people in there and it's all families who have lost loved ones, you know, at different stages, a lot of young people, tragedies that gave the gift of life. And as you can imagine, you know, part of the reason why I try to stay away from the term motivational speakers because every speech I give is a little different to I love that. different audiences. And this thing yep. was incredibly heavy, incredibly emotional. I mean, I'm standing on stage. My life was saved for a lot of reasons, you know, the firefighters, my doctors, but possibly the biggest reason that my life was saved was being a tissue recipient. And right. so I'm trying to, you know, look at these people knowing I'm getting ready oh to go God. back home to Phoenix with an incredible life. And here you all are with loss and try to explain the gratitude. But being on that stage, really being on any stage, I've just come to love it so much. The bigger the audience, the better. And every <laughs> every crowd, you know, whether I'm speaking to, I did the Washington State uh, Fire Chiefs Association not too long ago. And nice. I, I think it's just a bunch of old school chiefs and assistant chiefs and right, you know, right up my alley. We're laughing, we're joking. Yep. And, you know, tried to give them a little reminder. Of, hey, I, I get it. You're my age. You're all in your fifties. But remember when you started, remember how much you loved 
this job. So doing something like that and then yeah. turning around and doing something crazy emotional like the other day, I just, man, I soak it up like you can't even believe. I, I'm so blessed. Oh, it's amazing. I love, uh, you know, reading some of your reviews on your books and your, and, and your speaking. It's like, you know, it's sad, exciting, life-changing, emotional, you know, and then, uh, you know, I love that the most influential speaker I've ever heard. And that I, this, I want to go back to your story because I mean, I know you probably told this millions and millions of times, but we're going to try to go to a different route. Um, you know, you had a life-changing event on yes. um, March 26th of 2001. Uh, tell me a little bit about that event and then we're going to kind of go into just that, that mindset of how you got through all that. So I'd only been on the streets. I was first graduating class in Phoenix, uh, 2000, January 7th. And I saw so I'd only been on the streets 14 months. And, you know, I, I don't know how you guys feel in, in the fire service, but it takes a good three, five, seven years before you. Oh yeah really know what you're doing. And I mean, I only been after 14 months, so I'm, I'm still barely keeping up with how the dispatchers talk on the radio. And, and but, and I was still also like, there, there's the two greatest things in the world are answering 911 calls to help people and taking bad guys to jail. There's just nothing better than those two things. So I couldn't wait to go to work every day. And so yeah, March 26 of 01 was, just like we all say, which is probably stupid, but it was a boring routine day. Nothing going on. Right. And I went through I went through about eight and a half hours of my 10-hour shift, answered up for a call that I actually should – well, not that I shouldn't have answered up for it. It was not in my area of responsibility. It was out of my patrol zone. But officers in that area were busy at the time, so I said, I'll take it. And it was wow. a dead body call. You know, it's it sounded like something serious and – uh, while responding to that call, code three lights and siren, I came to one of our busy intersections in Phoenix and had a red light. So as you know, you know, you still got to stop. Oh yeah. Can't you still, yeah. A red light, but it only takes a second and a half to clear an intersection. And right, right. just the time. And this is where the timing of everything is part of what I love about sharing the story is just a constant reminder of, even when words are coming out of my mouth, I'm just sitting here going, wow, that really happened. And I so I was hit by a taxi cab. The guy was having an epileptic seizure. He was completely oh uh, out of control in the midst of a grand mal seizure. He was doing 115 miles an hour. Oh. That's a speed I can't. This is a 40-mile-an-hour downtown city street. Wow. So I'm knocked unconscious. Thank God. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I didn't see right. him coming didn't feel the impact, didn't have to deal. Cause you know, you, had I been awake and oh, I've been yes. screaming and sucking in all that hot air and smoke, dude, I would have been dead quick, but being unconscious, you know, shallow breathing and my car was propelled 270 feet through the intersection and the, the irony and miracle and timing of coming to stop 50 feet from a fire truck. Right. I mean, you can't even make that up. Nobody has that kind of luck and blessing. And, you know, I, I, I want to really emphasize, and if I get long winded, you could tell me, shut the hell up. Um, 
I would never but tell you that. You, you, ne- you, you had a gun and handcuffs. I'm not going to tell this, you that. Uh, <laughs> had. The key word, had. It doesn't I mean, matter. I, you may still um, have them. <laughs> well, okay, I do. I do. Um, you know, I don't ever want to lose touch. I don't want anybody to lose touch as I just give the sequence of events. that We're talking about human beings here. And right. the four firefighters on that truck you know, we all have a job to do. We all wear a uniform, but when it comes right down to it, we still have fight or flight syndrome to deal with. We do have our emotions. I don't care all the jokes we have. There's a special camaraderie between our, our groups. And this, this crew was simply, and they were actually driving a different direction than I was. They came to, they came to the other side of the light. They turned left and the world literally blew up in front of them. And, you know, how many calls do you go on? Probably 99% of your calls, you have a little bit of info. Like, right. here's Very what little. it is. Yeah. Here's what 911 said. He, you have a little bit of time to prepare for how you're going to respond and react once you get there. This crew had none of that. The world blew up in front of them. And then they saw very quickly, oh, my God, that's a police car. And I'm trapped inside of it. And you had all range of people, you know, uh, just an incredible uh, female engineer named Rebecca Joy, who had her own responsibilities to get the truck prepped, getting the hoses out. One of the firefighters having to battle the blaze, which was out of control, licking the bottom of the interstate overpass. That's how big it was. Wow. A young, a young 22 year old rookie, six months on. And the captain's like, Hey, you got to get him out. Well, Really? What, what skills do I uh, apply to exactly. this? <laughs> at, at 22 years old, and I, you know, a, a driver's side window is not a very big opening. I'm six three. No. I would. I, I was a rock solid 200 pounds at the time. Best shape of my life. 28 years old, yeah. and you know, this poor kid. He broke my. He broke my driver's side window with his axe, and knowing that I was dead, like you can't be yeah. in a fire like this and and survive. And and so. As soon as he broke my window, I reached out, like trying to grab the roof of the car and pull myself out. And he said it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I oh, love man. that part of it, but I'm like, dude, I was still. I was ready to get out. <laughs> I was still going to fight for myself. Right. But in all seriousness, from the time I was hit, and you can listen, I have the uh, my introductory video, video when I do my public speaking uh, is the actual audio. Are you serious? Yeah, it's it's oh. incredible. And from the time I was hit till the time they had me out of the car was 90 seconds. And then another beautiful thing. Wow. They, you know, the ambulances is like, uh, here in Phoenix, uh, we don't have private ambulance. Like the rescues are city of Phoenix firefighters. City, yep. Yeah. So the engineers uh, and there was, you know, they're not ashamed to say there wasn't a lot of calmness in this situation. Uh, it's not always like you said before, it's humans. Yeah, exactly. Humans. And she was screaming. She's like, don't you stay, you pull up right here. And they pulled up right next to my car. And as you know, by then a couple of police officers had arrived on scene, they're going through their own, like, who is that? That's one of my friends who's dying. And they pulled me out of this driver's side window. One of the cops had to crawl inside the car. Cause my long legs, size 13 boots got stuck underneath the steering wheel and dashboard 
and they body surfed me. Like I never touched the ground, man. They, they body surfed me right into the back of the rescue. Two paramedics jumped in like one abandoned his own rescue unit and jumped into this other rescue unit. They're trying to find a place to get IVs and, and they're so proud of that they did it. Um, and then, you know, another guy's driving. Uh, I was, again, another miracle. I'm two and a half miles away from, I'll argue with anybody, best burn center in the United States at what at the time was known as Maricopa County Hospital. It's now valley-wise, but their burn center is amazing. And I was on their trauma table in eight minutes. Wow. I mean, try to imagine. you. How many That's... calls have you been on? That doesn't happen. Well, I, I can only imagine when you tell that story, the number of people, I mean, cause it's, it's, it's one of those things where like that in a movie, they, they ride out for like, you know, 45 minutes. Right. Sure. And so people oh, don't yeah. grasp the concept of how quickly you have to think. And if, you know, take, take me back to that moment in the, in the fact of the mindset that people can take from that of the little things create the bigger goals you know the bigger the bigger successes what are some of those little mindset pieces that you think people can take from that whatever eight minute segment well you know the best mindset story that i can tell something that i love and and so grateful for so the firefighter who has who had to battle the the fire his name's darren boyce he's now retired and Mm -hmm. living in utah but this guy you know he's my age he's got kids my age and he was in the back of the fire truck they're on their way to the same dead body call that i was going to so for them you know they're going code two they're still wearing their shorts and t-shirt right well back when he was a rural county firefighter by himself he would challenge himself how quick he could turn out and <laughs> You know, he would <laughs> he would time that. himself. Now, listen, a lot of not a lot of guys do this. Just like a lot of cops don't go down to the the gun range every week right. and practice like they should. Practice your handcuff technique. Practice how you're doing certain things. It it's there's gonna come a call where it matters. And what Darren told me, you know, years down the line, he said, you know what the beauty of that moment was? I had my head back, I had my eyes closed. I'm wearing I've been there. I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts. And when he heard, when he heard this explosion, when he opened his eyes, he said the next thing he knew, he was standing next to my car, fully turned out, battling the blaze, shooting pure oxygen across my face, and he to this day does not know how he got his uniform on. And if that doesn't explain. Wow how our mindsets have to work. You've got to be able to do stuff without asking yourself to do it. Yeah. I love that. It's just beautiful. I love that. And it's so, it's so powerful to hear from you. Like how, how long, how long before, um, after this accident happened, I mean, you had a long road. I mean, let's, I'm not, I don't want to like, <laughs> make it sound like hey next week he was up and going oh but, dude i just went to the chiropractor i was good oh, you 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 went to the chiropractor you got some donuts you were good to go that um, was good it's amazing how they help um but you i mean 50 surgeries later you, you had burns over 40 percent of your body but you know as you as you're going through this process when did you want to know kind of who helped you what happened 
that kind of stuff. When did that kind of go through your mind of, uh, okay, I, I need to have this? Well, that part, the, the helping part was right away, and it's because I woke up. So they placed me into a medically induced coma. And, you know, okay. they, they were very clear with my family. Jason's not going to survive. He's got fourth-degree burns to his head and face. It, it's not possible to survive this. I will take him into surgery. I'll get all of that dead bacteria-filled tissue because right. I didn't know this back then. I know it now, and I always explain to people, burns keep on burning. So yeah. if my arms were second degree, by the time I got to the hospital, now they're third degree. you got to get that stuff off as quickly as possible. So they did that with surgery, stripped away my entire physical identity. You know, I'm down to the muscle and bone and into a medically induced coma. Well, somehow, you know, through the the gift of life and the donated tissue through the right. just the 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 hard work of the the doctors and my nurses the the prayers from my community and the family i i kept surviving and so finally they woke me up it was two and a half months that i was in a coma and wow. being a medically induced coma it's the blink of an eye Right. This is not a head injury or anything like this. Right. Outside of the burns, I had two cracked ribs and a mild concussion. I was almost uninjured. Um, Crazy. So I, I wake up and my wife was in the room with me, which I'm again, you're going to hear me say this word a lot. And this is how I live my life. I, I'm just grateful. I, it wasn't the middle of the night. I wasn't with some stranger. I was completely blind. I had a lot of thoughts pouring into my mind. Why can't I open my eyes? I was just at work. I can't move. I had no freaking clue what was going on. And my wife told me, I mean, her first thing she said to me, and I'll never forget how calm and strong her voice was. Amazing. This, she hadn't talked wow. to me in a long time. And we were, shit, we'd only been married four years at the time, had two little kids. Really? Um, so, I mean, th th this girl had gone through a lot and she was as strong as a rock. And she said, you were in a car accident. And <laughs> the first question I asked was, was it my fault? Because I'm a cop. I'm like, please tell me I didn't hit somebody. Right. And, <laughs> and she was like, no, it wasn't your fault. And then she did very quickly tell me that my car had caught on fire. And, and I actually told her, I said, don't stop. Don't say another word to me. I, this is the only thing from my way back memories as a kid, the only thing in life I've ever been scared of is fire. It's fire. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. I mean, I don't cook on gas barbecue grills. I don't buy real Christmas trees. Like, I'm not kidding. I was terrified. Anything else, bring it on. But, and of course, you also, when you're going through thoughts like that, you're like, that's never going to happen to me anyway. Oh, so, yeah. No yeah. problem. But, so then, I mean, I did want to ask a few questions like, well, how, how in the world did I get here? Like, and, and I was told a few things like, well, there was a fire truck right there, but I couldn't, I just, process was, it. <laughs> yeah, I was way too sick and it was way too yeah. big to get my mind wrapped around. Okay. There's a, all right. Well, at the time I was like, okay, well that's cool. And I really didn't think about, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been on plenty of fire calls or car accidents and I'd seen, what firefighters right. did, and and I was always reminded of why I was not badass enough to do that job. And why I was <laughs> like you, you guys are crazy. That's all they're doing. Well, it's it's I, clinically I, proven. Yes, I I'm not doing the bullshit that you guys do. So I'm going to be a police officer. Um, 
but I asked little questions, but to be honest with you, I was in a, I think between shock and yes, it was a, a nightmare that I woke up to the, the anxiety and claustrophobia of being blind. My life is over. My kids are going to be scared of me asking my wife, why in the hell are you still here? Go move on with your life. I mean, just nothing but devastating stuff. Mm-hmm. So it took, it took quite a bit of time and, you know, I'd, I'd ask, the doctor a question one day I'd ask my dad a question one day and and slowly started piecing things together until until I was able to find my my center of gravity my my foundation on okay now I'm accepting that this has happened where am I going to go from here so it was just uh it was a almost a strict but kind of random timeline of how I got through those those early months. And it, and it's one of those things where like why I wanted to start off in the beginning of like how excited you are to be able to go and speak and everything. And I'm sure people see like you know where you are now and like the passion behind your voice. But they, oh. you know, they they didn't see the struggle that you went through to get that passion to stand <laughs> there with the attitude of, you can do this too. Yeah. Tell me more about those days because yeah. I think that that's where the that's where the true Jason came out, and it was like, you know, 100%. this is one this is one badass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna Thank I'm you. gonna say I, it if nobody. I else wish I wish I felt as tough as uh, as you're describing. <laughs> Hey, hey, no, hey, I, you, you are. <laughs> I try to explain to people because, again, I, you know, the human side of things, the just the reality. We all have a story. We've all gone through stuff, and I'm very open with my journey about. Listen, there were some really dark days. I mean, the the level of pain that I experienced is is off the charts. There's nothing as unique as a fucking burn injury they suck yeah and not just because of the disfigurements it's it's just the the ridiculous pain that's involved and what would you equate that to jason uh, because i don't think people i don't think people can understand no they can understand pain like it's we go on the medical calls and i always say you know what's their pain on a scale one to ten ten being you're dead you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, my toe is stubbed and it's a 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it is. <laughs> but with Burns, I'd put it on a, I'd put it at a 20 of like, I wish I was dead right now because I cannot <sighs> do this. But even the way that with my Burns, especially being so deep or when you do get to the third degree and you're talking about all your your nerve endings and, and just your skin being removed, replaced. I mean, nothing hurts as bad as a donor site. Uh, it's not even the skin graft site that hurts so bad, but right. taking a, the simple thing of like taking a shower, it is you turn on the the shower head, yeah. and all that comes out of there is a thousand needles straight into your body. It's oh, like I would, geez. I'm not kidding you, dude. After I got home from the hospital, oh, if I knew, like about an hour before I knew my wife was going to say it's time to take a shower, I'd already be in tears. I would already be like, no, I'm not, I, I can't do it. It's, 
it, it, the, the pain was crazy. And then again, the fear and the anxiety, the claustrophobia of being blind, uh, learning that I had lost half my fingers and going through like, God, I love golf. I, I'm good at golf. I, I got a college scholarship and now I've lost that. I lost my appearance. My children are going to be scared of me. I went through so many just crazy dark days and fluctuations of, of mood, like being motivated one day to, to go to therapy and get stronger. And then the next day being like, I'm not going to therapy. Fuck therapy. I, I can't yeah, do it. Exactly. I, I yeah. need, I need a day off and I really don't care what any of you, any of my support system. Thanks. I need a day for me. And I, it's not that I'm quitting, but kind of, you know, mentally and, and what I learned through all this in my own personal journey, uh, you know, there, there's so much strength and beauty inside vulnerability, but until you are there, until you let yourself be wrapped in the blanket of other people fighting for you when you can't fight for yourself, when you're reduced to literally nothing, you're not going to understand. And I try to pass that on to people like, listen, I didn't get in this car accident. And then all of a sudden you're speaking, say, um, yeah, say I'm good. I ended up, listen, I ended up going back to work. I ended up being a homicide detective. I ended up shooting my gun again with my hand. My hands are so deformed and fucked up. I hate them. I only have five fingers. I got my handicap in golf back down to a one. Seriously. I swear to God. Then I ended up retiring after years and moved on into public speaking, which, you know, 12, 13 years ago when I started, I sucked. Like ethically <laughs> sucked at public speaking. And so oh, I, love it. I really, I really dove into it. Like I love this. I love passing on my passion for life, my gratitude. I want to brag about these firefighters. I'm going to brag about my doctor and brag about my wife. Look at what my kids are doing now. They're better because of this. And it's nothing but the, I get to remind myself and, and continue to be grateful and have this passion for life. And, and I'm not a, listen, I'm not a Tony Robbins guy and, and you're better than him. Don't, I, don't give well, me. Well, no, listen, I, <laughs> I'm gonna I love watching. The, I love watching the guy, and he makes he makes millions and millions of dollars for a reason. But I'm not a, I'm not a pound my fist on the podium. You oh, could do God. this. You need to do that. I I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm right. going to tell you what worked and didn't work for me, and then whatever you have going on in life, it does not, uh, have to look or feel like mine. In fact, to most of my audiences, the very first thing I tell them is right now, you got to get it out of your head. My injuries and my former career are the two least important parts of this story. That is not the focus. Life wow. happens to all of us and we got to live this life to, with what we're, what we're given. And, and then I go into the story and, and, and later on, you know, my, my story is definitely a journey of, I go through like the military and what kind of gave me some structure, discipline, why I became a police officer, which is something to this day. I'm, I don't have regrets. I am grateful. I became an officer. Oh, because that's huge. Of the, Did you have regrets at, at some point? 
What's that? Did you have regrets when you were going through your rehab at some point? No, you- not at all. No, not at all. That's because amazing. That's amazing. I, That's- I was doing, you know, I, I do believe it's one of the handful of jobs that truly is a calling. It It yeah. is yeah. just who you are at, at, at all times. And I became an officer because of the death of another Phoenix police officer. And my accident occurred two years to the day of his death. Wow. Again, the irony of that, I went to work that day just so humbled and appreciative. I remember I went over to his memorial marker to, you know, make the sign of the cross to thank him for his service and sacrifice, my opportunities, having no idea that in about eight hours, I'm going to be laying right next to you, pal. That's like, that's how you don't know these things. And, but I've never lost sight of my why. And, And when I talk to first responders, that's what I really want to emphasize, because in today's world, especially, I never thought I would see a country like I live in right now. It it drives me. Yeah, I can imagine. If, if, if I let it. Like, right. listen, part of the reason I have to laugh and be as positive as I am is because I'm scared of my own uh, level of anger. Like, I, I could lose it on, on some of these stupid asses <laughs> that are running around. <laughs> running our country right now. But I want to tell these first responders, you know, I teach at the academy, so I, I still get to talk to the new new people. But anytime I talk to firefighters and cops, especially ones that have, you know, 10 years or north on, and they've seen a lot, they got things affecting them. Some have PTSD. Some now have families or have gone through a divorce. Some are drinking. Some are contemplating quitting some are thinking about suicide it's like i just want to get through to them and i think if we can all nobody started this job because they didn't want to or or nobody was holding a gun to your head you had you had a passion and a belief in yourself and you knew you were going to make a difference you knew you were going to have fun that's what a lot of people don't realize like Oh my God! Thank you for your service. Are you kidding me? I had a blast doing doing the shit that I was doing. I, I freaking love, I love this job. I um, love that. But I so I really like to talk to first responders. Just be like, hey, yeah, things didn't go as I had them written down on paper, but right. it, it doesn't take away from. I had seven incredible years. I did serve my community. I did make a difference, and then I had my own thing that I had to deal with. And now my life is, is incredible. I look at my, I have one of my best friends from the Academy is now an assistant chief with Phoenix police department, just had a great career. And, you know, I won't lie. I look at him and be like, I want, you know, I probably still would be a homicide detective. What would I look like with, you know, my hair going, going gray. Like <laughs> his is. I, I have these right. little dreams, but I just have more fun looking at like, you know what? Good job, guys. I'm so proud of you. And he's a great example of this was my best friend. This is the guy who identified me at the hospital by a tattoo. This is the guy who had to go wake my wife up and change her life forever, knowing that by the time he got her back to the hospital, I'd be dead. He went through a lot. And instead of taking that and letting it destroy his career, his marriage, his ability to be a father, he turned it around 
and let it propel him forward. And now he's just killing it in the profession. So I love this that. is so much good. So much good. Uh, I love that, man. And I, and I love that your quote. And when you, when you talk about, you know, the one thing that you can control every single day and you have the decision to control is your attitude and, and exactly what you're talking about right there. It is something that we have control over every single day. I want people to make sure that they go to burningshield.com. You can find out more about your story. You can find, uh, he has an amazing book, Burning Shield. Um, I want to ask you one question before we get to my my three questions to end the podcast. I want to I want to find out more because this is probably something that you had to deal with early on in your speaking is, you know, when when people see you for the first time, the shock value. Right. Right. How do you get past that to have them hear the message behind that? Well, you know, there's there's different levels and situations. So, you know, I, I used to travel and I'd have to have somebody with me for emotional support for right uh, with my my eyesight, I, you know, I can't always find myself my way to an airport. And I finally got to a point probably about six years ago where I'm like, Jason, you've got to quit taking people away from their families and their, their jobs. And you got to do this on your own. And, and I was able to find a lot of strength in that. And the first, you know, I don't know, first year, maybe first 20 trips I went on. Yeah. It, it was very difficult. I sitting in restaurants alone or, or skipping meals because I was so nervous about, well, I don't want to ruin somebody else's day by having their kids see my appearance. But now I sit in restaurants. I sit at the bar and order a beer before my flight. I And uh, I'm just so consumed with self-confidence. I know, you know, when I go on these trips, I know why I'm there. I know what I just did and why I'm going home or why I'm here in Phoenix, where I'm going. And that provides me a lot of strength. But as soon as people, you know, if you turn off the news, seriously, and you don't listen to right. any, <laughs> literally do not listen to one single fucking politician in this country. If right. you ignore those two things, you realize that people are full of compassion and they're kind. And my favorite thing is if I strike, strike up a conversation with somebody say at the bar, uh, at a, at a airport, man, you can see the look on their face as soon as they hear my voice and I start talking, I don't have to tell them, I don't go into detail unless, unless they ask, well, sometimes I'll make jokes if I'm depending on, I mean, I've I've told people I sucked at cooking meth. That's what happened. (laughs) I could see you saying that too. Oh dude. Yeah. My, my garage blew up and, um, things like that. So try out like, for breaking bad, but I like to laugh. Yeah, exactly. I was, you, you didn't see me in breaking bad. I was, yeah. the, I was the first guy killed off in the season, season opener. Um, I, but I, I like to laugh. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. I do run across certain people who might be a little rude or, uh, but you know what? I always remind myself if somebody wants to, degrade or be mean to a complete stranger that they don't know their story, then right. they're obviously hurting in a way that I can't even you can't help them. relate to. And I'm not going <laughs> to, and you know what, dude, I'm sorry for what you're going through, but you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of how, 
I go through it. But thankfully, after all these years, and it, it was a long journey, but I'm just a very confident guy. I love my job. I love my life. And uh, you know what? When I look in the mirror, I, I'm, I'm good to go. I love it, Jason. Jason, you are such an inspiration. And, and make sure you go to burningshield.com. This, this is something that you do not want to miss reading his book or having him out for your next speaking engagement. Um, somebody that inspires um, everybody of all sorts of and types. And uh, definitely uh, appreciate you coming on. But I, you're not done yet. Oh, I've excellent. Got three, I've got three questions for you. All right. You ready? Fire for away. All right. If you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Wow. That's an excellent question. Uh, go back to my 18 year old self. You know, the reason this is a great question is because I talk about this in my speech. I show pictures of me when I was younger and I say how bad I'd like to write a letter to that guy. I, (laughs) I honestly, I honestly don't, cause I probably wouldn't tell him exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I would, I would not have made it. What I, I think what I would say to my 18 self, 18 year old self, when you you know when you're when you're young and naive and you are you, you're indestructible. You know, I joined the right. military. I was I was indestructible. What I would say is simply, you're going to come across situations as you go through life, and the one thing you have to remember is to be patient in your grief and be patient in your struggle, and it's always going to work out. Wow. I love that. I love that. And from you, that's, that's a huge statement. I love that. Second question here. Everybody's going through challenges and struggles. Um, and if you could give them two habits to incorporate into their daily life, two habits that they could do morning, morning, afternoon, or nighttime, it doesn't matter. What would those two habits be? Uh, the first habit would be, I think the most inherent desire when we wake up in the morning is to be inspired. Something moved me, something made me feel good. And I rely on the simplest, smallest of things. I I can hear songs that will put me in the exact emotion I need to be in. I can identify something in my day that is going to move me in a positive direction. And so that's the direction I'm going to go. So when you wake up in the morning, that there's no way at the end of the day you're going to look back and say, well, that went exactly as I had planned it, because <laughs> it just never will. Right. So you, you've got to stay on path with what is moving you that day. And sometimes actually just, just let me get through the next hour and see what I can see from there. Uh, you can break it down to that. So yeah. that's my first thing. And then the second thing is to, once you have identified your purpose and for example, my main purpose is being a dad. That is the biggest thing to save my life emotionally and mentally. I have three incredible kids that I'm so blessed and I, they're all grown up now. They're all doing their own thing. But to this day, my sole purpose in life is to be Kylie Zane and Mason's dad and always having always having that that purpose and being in touch with it dude i, I it's an impenetrable shield around me that. so those are the two pieces of advice i would find your purpose 
and follow your whatever moves you that day. I love that. All right, this last one's going to be fun. I don't know where you're going to go with this. I always say that, but I I, I enjoy this last question. So right. if you could have uh, coffee with three individuals, they could be deceased or alive, at a firehouse table. So in other words, there's no question that you can't answer and ask and it will be answered. Who would those three people be and why? If I could have coffee with three people in this world. Wow. Be deceased or alive. I, I mean, it could be George yeah. Washington um, or anybody. You know, I would have to, wow, I'm really going to have to go out on a limb here and think for a second. I I would say um, the first person I would want to have coffee with uh, is Nick Saban, uh, the coach of Alabama, because his, his ability to provide structure and discipline and propel young people on to nothing but success, whether it be in the NFL or business. I His mindset, what he overcame losing his dad when he was young, and I just have so much admiration and respect for a guy like that. Um, so I would have coffee with him. Uh, the second person I think I would have coffee with would be Martin Luther King Jr., because I would say, A, you're a phenomenal speaker. Can you give me a couple tips? (laughs) And number two, I would say, Please come back. Please come back because nobody nobody got it the way you, and, and everybody's lost sight of what you wanted us to be and what you wanted this world to be. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would definitely want to sit and have a nice long conversation with him, and then the other person. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go back to uh, your previous question. The other person I would sit and have coffee with is 18 year old me, and just simply say, oh, "Wow, yeah, you know, just simply say." I would probably hand him an envelope that was. Time sealed. It's like, like until, back to the future. Yes. But but I would be like, here, here, <laughs> there is there is a letter and a couple of little keepsakes in this envelope. You cannot open them until you're 50 years old. But just trust me, the day that you get to open this, it's going to be worth it. Here's I, I have one more question because I just thought of it as you said that. If you were able to go back to your 18-year-old self and tell yourself to take one more second at that intersection, would you? Or no, 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 no. And you know why? It's because, and there's several reasons. I'll answer them real quick for you because I know we're running out of time. No, you're fine. You're fine. um, Okay. Uh, Number one, that guy who hit me was having the seizure, and yes, he he ended up going to prison. He had caused four other accidents prior to mine. He was. Uh, he, it, he definitely had to be held, held accountable. It wasn't just an accident, but being in that grand mall seizure, he would have made it to the next traffic light. And I would never, never want to even think of removing myself and him taking out a woman with her kids or somebody's grandparents. I, I did my job. I protected somebody else. And yes, 10 out of 10 times, leave me right there in that intersection. And yeah. then the second thing, the second thing that is so 
incredibly important. My youngest son was born 18 months after the accident. Wow. That kid is just so humble, so appreciative. He's playing college baseball in Charlotte, North Carolina now. And his, it's one thing that I was saved. It's one thing that I overcame some challenges and that I have been lucky enough to continue to live my life. But this is a life that if I am not in that accident, it just doesn't exist. And when I think about the children he's going to have, the children they're going to have, we are talking generations of beauty that would have been completely erased and never existed. So hell no would I take myself out of that intersection. Dude, you may be... (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to end this one. <laughs> you made me. You made me get a little emotional there, because dude, uh, you have me so fired up right now. I, I, can't I freaking even love it. I love it. Now I got to hang out with you like one through a brick wall or something. I don't know. God, Jason. Damn. I mean, this is <clears throat> man. I, I I love the passion. I I love what you just said because I think there's a lot of people that need that message that you just said. Um, you can't you can't change the past and nor should you want to um yes. because you're the person you are today because of the things that you've went through so jason thank you so much for all the words today and make sure you go to burningshield.com uh this gentleman will inspire you will make you run through brick walls because of his <laughs> your speeches and but thank you again and uh continue to do what you're doing brother I love it, man. Thank you so much. This was, uh, like I said, I'm just truly filled with inspiration again and ready to have a beautiful day because of you. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Love it, brother. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.